Weepa! This is Eileen, your favorite butter pecan geek and Rican, and you are listening to La Platica on the Latinerd Experience. So welcome, everybody. This is the first official episode of the Latino Experience. Today's guest is going to be a very talented local artist. Her name is Jessica Valentin. Thank you for letting me talk with you today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I know that you are a local artist here in Patchogue, New York. Yep. Born and raised on the island. Yeah. And youngest of four kids. Yes. Yep. So you were the baby. I was the baby. <laughs> <laughs> So what was that like? So I see you have two brothers and a sister, the sister yes. next above you. Yeah. So that was the good thing is that it was like me and my sister versus my two brothers. My brothers are older than me and my sister. We lived in like the suburbs. My dad worked in corrections in Queens at Rikers Island. So he would commute and we had like this kind of typical like suburban upbringing, except my grandparents and my great grandma lived with us. Nice. So Yeah. So it was awesome. Full house. You know, I'm crazy about my brothers and sister, so. That's a busy house. <laughs> yes, it was a busy house, for sure. Your grandparents, everybody was pretty much born on the island? Or? Yes. All my grandparents were born in Puerto Rico, and my dad was born in Puerto Rico. And then uh, his family came up to New York. And my mother's brother, my Uncle Fred, was born in Puerto Rico. And then my mom was born here. Wow. What so. part of Puerto Rico? I think my mom's side was like San Sebastian and my dad's side was like Arecibo. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. My father's from Calle and my mother's side is from Lares. Oh, okay. And now they live in Patillas. Nice. (laughs) That's awesome. So we work around the whole island. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. So I know you've mentioned in the past that your brothers are very influential on you, especially as far as music. Yeah. My oldest brother, Billy, he graduated high school in like 87. So he was really like into I mean, he likes freestyle too, but he was into hip hop in the like beginnings, like early hip hop. So he would bring records home and we would play them. So we all ended up kind of jumping on, not the hip hop bandwagon, but like just this enjoyment of like hip hop as a culture. And we went to the Bronx every weekend to see my other grandparents, my dad's parents. So we were always with our cousins and stuff in the Bronx. So we'd kind of get the flavor of the Bronx culture while still having this like strange Long Island mm-hmm. experience. So that's kind of the appreciation I had for like the De La Soul. And, you know, they were kind of, you know, suburban right. kind of culture of hip hop. And, you know, with the mixture of, let's say, like KRS-One and Boogie Down Productions and all of that. So we had the, a mixture of the love of all of it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's a similar situation. Similar. Mm-hmm. A lot of my family's in the Bronx as well. I came over here very young. So. Yeah. Harlem. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So Harlem pizza coming soon. And I'm like, I don't remember Harlem coal-fired pizza. Yeah. But, uh, You're you like, know, but nice try. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So were your parents and your grandparents influential on you as well as far as music and art? Yes. 
my grandmother, aside from working in like a factory where she sewed bags, she wrote poetry when I was young and she was pretty good at it. And my dad loved like doo-wop music. So, and when they were young, they would go to clubs and like go dancing to like Tito Puente back in the day and like were living their best lives. But he also has this like love for doo-wop and all of those like older groups. Are you sure we're not related? I know, we might be. <laughs> My father's is a doo-wop yeah. too. So funny. And he used to like <laughs> tell me that he would sing on the street corner and that whole kind of like Bronx tale vibe, which is strange. But yeah, now I find myself being really influenced by and loving that kind of older style music. And right now he has Alzheimer's. So I feel like we bond so much on the love of music because uh, I was reading somewhere that people that have like brain injuries or Alzheimer's disease, uh, they don't lose this like music memory. Yeah, it's so, a different part of the brain. Yeah, and he loved comic books and like old monster movies. So I feel like that laid the foundation. And my mom, I just come from like a line of the badassest of badass women. So like my grandmother was like amazing. And I just come from a long line of just totally cool Hispanic badass bitches. Mm, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like a power from that. Any of the uh, Puerto Rican influence in that as far as music and the art or style um, as well? You know... Yes, I think that the boldness of the color of what I do is kind of influenced by this like Caribbean aesthetic. It's funny because I'm like, there's a dilution that happens with culture and where you come from. And depending on how far in time it's been since your family has been here. But unfortunately, because I'm one of four, I feel like I got diluted more than, let's say, my brother. My brother, my oldest brother speaks fluent Spanish. And like, let's say stereotypically is like more fits within that like culture of like the Puerto Rican male. Whereas like, as we got down, mm -hmm. we got weirder and weirder. <laughs> so here I am the weirdest of the four, I think. Oh, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, it isn't no. bad. It's just No, different. I'm all about that. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is your first memory of experiencing music and or art? Music I like my mother loves, well, my, both my parents love music, but there was always music in the house, whether it was like the very stereotypical, like Latina mom dancing <laughs> while she's cleaning. Yes. You know what I mean? And we were all a part of that. The shoes fabuloso too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. But also the drives in the car to the Bronx were always filled with old doo-wop music. It was like CBS 101.1 was like my dad's station. And it was like we didn't have phones or anything really to distract us. So we were kind of stuck with that and we hated it when we were young. And <laughs> yeah. now I love, like, I love it. <laughs> yep. It's yeah. That thing when you got up on Saturday morning and you hear the music blasting first thing in the morning, yeah. trying to get up and clean. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. Um, as far as art is concerned, um, it's strange. I probably got more interested in art in my teens. So I have like the music influence came younger, but I feel like the art that I make doesn't really look like a lot of the art that I see. I don't know where that comes from, but yeah, but, but it's I mean, there. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> what was your first art piece that you created that you remember? 
Or any Pepe, sorry, even if it's way back. <laughs> it, it was strangely in high school, I took a lot of art classes and then I didn't really have a formal education after that. Like I never went to art school or anything like that. I was teased because I was like a little punk rock kid in high school and I dressed kind of weird, which was fine. Uh, so I was teased by like the preppy kids in school. So I ended up making, we were doing a, a study in art class about Klaus Oldenburg, who makes these like huge, huge sculptures. So he makes like hard sculptures, like he um, he's made uh, sculptures in like a meadow and it's like a big uh, like stamp, like giant. But he's also made a lot of soft sculpture. So it's just like a hamburger, let's say, giant, and it's all just like sewn fabric. I ended up making a toothpaste tube and on the toothpaste tube, it was like maybe six or seven feet, this toothpaste tube. On the toothpaste tube, I wrote uh, Prepodent. And then on the back, I wrote Fight Scum Disease and Individuality. So it was like my first little way of kind of like giving the middle finger to the people, you know, in my school. And what's funny is they hung this thing right above where everyone walks in school. So like unknowingly, they were getting the F you from me every day walking into school. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's like the thing that I remember. I wish I still had it. That but is I don't. Awesome. Yeah. Oh my. Hopefully somebody has pictures. Of I know. That would be Maybe. Sweet. But that was the first time I felt the power of art to really say something. So I feel like that was uh, infectious to me. That's probably the best art story I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. Okay, so going back to the hip hop. Mm-hmm. Favorite artists and or songs, which I know is almost impossible yeah, to do. It's so do. hard. Tribe Called Quest is my favorite favorite. Oh, there's so many good songs. Like I walked down the aisle to at my second wedding to uh, King of Rock by Run DMC. That's dope. Oh my God, there's so many good okay, ones. Okay, so like if you were going to have the soundtrack of your life, which are some songs you would definitely want included okay. on your soundtrack? I used to listen to They Reminisce Over You by Pete Rock and CL Smooth on a constant loop with my sister in our teens when we she first got her car and we were driving around. That was like the jam. Tribe Called Quest of Beastie Boys. I think that it's funny because Paul's Boutique was an awesome album, but because of my age, I think... I was in high school when I really started loving the Beastie Boys even more. So I got down with the check your head kind Mm -hmm. of era. So I feel like I have a huge love for that. And my late husband loved Beastie Boys. He was like a lovely Jewish man. And he just like (laughs) was all about the three Jewish Beastie Boys. So that's about the ideal. Yeah. (laughs) So he, he identified very strongly with them. So, so I have a huge love for them. Eric B and Rakim, like, I mean, Ain't no half stepping is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so hard. De La Soul, I adore. I actually met um, Dave from De La Soul nice. while I was in hospice with my husband about oh. four years ago, and I went up to him because I couldn't like live without meeting yeah, him. And he was to. he couldn't be nicer. And all I was doing again because my husband had brain cancer. Uh, music was this thing that when he couldn't like really speak to me anymore, and we couldn't really communicate a lot. Music was the thing that lit him up for those last days. And I was able to tell Dave from De La Soul that, and he was so psyched. That's yeah. Awesome. Which is, I mean, which was so dope. And he couldn't have been a nicer guy. That is really cool. I mean, the good thing is, like, with music, I think the standout is the hip hop, but I also listen to, like, punk music. I listen to old new wave music. So 
I feel like people don't think of that when they think of music that Latinx people enjoy for some reason. Yeah. And meanwhile, if you look at rock, there are so many artists that Mm -hmm. are actually Hispanic and people don't realize it, Mm -hmm. you know, like POD or Mm -hmm. Deftones and, you know, he could probably, Adrian, (laughs) my lovely producer and partner in life can tell you he's, you know, there's so many artists that are, that are involved with that. Yeah. And the thing about music influencing, going back to the people that are sick, whether it's like having strokes or mm-hmm. cancer or whatever, that's very true. Because even with my grandfather, he had a stroke. He mm-hmm. couldn't speak, but he could sing beautifully. Oh, I love that. And he would sing his salsas and whatever. And that was the one time, you know, whenever the family visited him, we could sing with him. That's lovely. So music is so important, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that music and art is very much connected. I don't think anybody can really do art without music. If they can't. I agree. I don't think I would know. (laughs) Most artists that I know, like, while they're making their work are listening to music. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's affecting them and it's infusing itself in their work, regardless of whether they want it or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when I write my poetry, more often than not, I'm listening to music. I'm listening to Neo Soul Mm -hmm. or old school hip hop, that kind of thing, because you need something with a beat. Yeah. And you got to create your mood. Absolutely. I noticed that you mentioned, say, of course, having a weird style and a funky style. Mm-hmm. And your mom, her furniture style was very, you said, French, provincial, yes. whatever. Where did that come I from? Have no, like, <laughs> she, it's so funny. Most people that I talk to always end up attaching this, like, idea of that type of furniture with more of, like, an Italian lady vibe. Yeah. But my mom loved this, like, really ornate French provincial furniture And she still has most of the furniture from when, like, she first got married. She took good care of it and just reupholstered the furniture. Okay, she didn't have the plastic on the sofa? She did. (laughs) Yeah. And my grandma, too. It's like, until I got my own place, I, like, didn't know the joys of not having plastic attached to my ass on the furniture. And she had nice cracked corners when you get the cracked corners. Oh, yeah. The struggle is real about that. It absolutely is. It's like, right, you got to powder yourself just to Mm -hmm. sit down and then you got to have somebody peel you off. Agreed. That pain is not one that you can forget. Yeah. Ever. So what I do with the furniture is I kind of take the aesthetic that she made me love by loving it and I try to add a modernity to that. So... I told her when she, (laughs) this is is morbid, but I told her when she dies, I am going to paint like the wood carving on her furniture and reupholster it like, you know, a banana's color or whatever. (laughs) And to her chagrin, she's like, all right, whatever, do what you want with it. (laughs) Oh, she didn't curse you off. (laughs) No, it's it's been a long time that I've broken her into this idea. She she didn't put the curse on you. She did, but yeah. But as she's seen me get like older and stay weird she's just like resigned herself that this is gonna happen yeah that's just it yeah and to give some background for everybody who's listening (laughs) you do work with furniture restoring furniture and kind of giving it new life yes which is awesome i love that because actually i do kind of the same thing i'll be trying to going down the street Mm -hmm. and you find a piece that okay it looks bad but the shape is really good and maybe if we kind of play with it so i have a few random pieces in my house that I bought spray paint or whatever that I'm going to get to it eventually if I could find this place to spray paint where the landlord won't yell at me 
If you ever need help, call me. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we'll put some tarps down and lose our mind. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That I haven't seen any of your furniture work, so that's yeah, something I, I would love to see. You know, it's hard because unless I get a piece out, I don't want to just keep adding or I'm going to have a warehouse in my house instead of a house. That's true. So so I would, if you have any pictures, I would love to see that. Right. And we could put some of those on, on the site as well Oh, cool! and highlight that when you're doing your art. Now, we know that there is a main theme mm-hmm. to your art right now, and that is the loss. You've been married twice yeah. to Rob mm-hmm. and Darren. Yep. You've had a lot of your art pretty much inspired from that. Once you started doing mainstream art, did that start with them or did your art really start before that? Uh, The art started before that. It started, again, my love started in high school. And what I used to do is because um, I would go through my mom's like women's magazines and I would rip out all these infuriating like anti-feminist kind of ads, but they were just normal ads like... The ones that say you got to be skinny and pretty and perfect and Stepford wife. Yeah. (laughs) So I would rip all of those ads out that seem ridiculous or that like over-sexualized women, which obviously I can find still now. But some of the old ones were hysterical. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would save them and then I would collage together a piece from it. So I did one with like lips on it. And then I did one with like a wedding ring, which again, those are lost to like time. But I feel like it started then, but after I lost my my first husband, because I was writing a lot when Rob was sick, and then I used some of the things that I wrote, and I collaged them into my work after Rob had passed away. And I only felt comfortable doing that maybe a few years after he passed, because the pain of someone, when someone takes their life, the pain of that is so confusing. And I feel like... um it threw me for a loop in a way. I was so young also. Like it threw me for a loop in a way that like I didn't really surface for a little while. Thank you for sharing that because not everybody's willing to talk about um, suicide. Rob was a talented, sweet, sensitive, smart, hysterically funny person. And he was uh, a performer and he was amazing. He got, this is a funny piece of information, but he got accepted into Ringling Brothers Clown College. Oh, that's awesome. When they had it. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like, we were like two, two like weirdo dorks that came together and we got married like when we were 20. So by the time he passed away, I was only 26. You know, I felt those marriage vows in a way that like most people don't for a long time if they're blessed to have a long, healthy marriage. So I wanted to make work that was influenced by him, and that's where I made the uh, monster series. He loved, like, the uh, Universal movie monsters, so I made a series uh, based on that, and it was uh, called Monster Mash, A Lost Love Story. So in the series, it's uh, it's all collaged images, and he uh, had schizophrenia and suffered with that for a few years really bad and would tell me about the... Uh, the hallucinations that he was hearing and also seeing. And uh, so I ended up turning that into like the subject matter of the series. And it was super helpful to my like emotional well-being. And I feel like uh, I I got a lot of really sweet feedback from that that I can share my grief with people. Absolutely. I imagine it's very cathartic. Yeah, it was. Get that out and express that because when you're dealing with grief of any kind, that really just kind of sits inside of you and you have to have a way to kind of get that out. Yeah. And you could only cry so much. <laughs> yeah. And at a certain point, like you know? people don't want to hear you complain about it anymore, yeah. even if you're still hurting. 
you know, like even the people that are crazy about you can get overwhelmed by your grief. True. You know, they don't know how to deal with it or it's, you know, oh, Debbie Downer. Yeah. Kind yeah. of thing, you know, and it's kind of like, okay, yes, you know, we lost somebody and yes, we're feeling that very deeply. But it makes people uncomfortable. Grief makes sure. people uncomfortable. Anything, negative emotions. And nobody and, wants to feel that. So to see yep. that, often see that, you know, especially the grief of loss is probably one of the hardest things to accept because as people, we just don't deal with death well. No. We do not, we weren't meant to kind of have to deal with that. We also don't deal with like issues of mental illness well. Absolutely. And the subject of suicide well at all as a culture. Yeah. Like not just like as a, an American culture. Absolutely. Because I think some, it's, well, I mean, it's all over the world. Mental illness is still kind of, I think, a hard thing. Yeah. Some places are better with it than others. Mm-hmm. I like that now in the media, you're kind of seeing a little bit more of, hey, mental illness is a thing and we're still people and we're okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm very vocal with my own mental illness. Yeah. So I have mood disorder, I have anxiety, I have depression. A lot of us do. A lot yeah. more and more people are dealing with that. Of and course. the stress of life in general, plus things like losing someone in mm-hmm. death or anything else. And that's very hard. Life is you know? beautiful, but it's not easy. It's for not sure. easy. It's not easy at all. And, you know, my philosophy in life, I tell people, is pretty much how to find the beauty in survival, mm-hmm. how to find the joy in survival. A thousand percent. And that is basically my theme for life and everything mm-hmm. that I do is right now, we're not even just living, we're just surviving. But there's still a way to find beauty and joy in mm-hmm. that. So we thank you for even taking that and making these beautiful art pieces that mm. express that pain and that loss, but are still in a way you find a certain beauty in it. Yeah. You know, and that's very important, you know, and then the monster mash thing <laughs> I love because I love old school monsters. Yeah, they're everything. I was just showing my kids Shin Godzilla last night. They both fell asleep, unfortunately, nice. but it was like, okay, you know, they that's know. It's a all nice the- way to fall asleep. Yeah, it's a nice <laughs> way to fall asleep. They know the old school Godzilla. We take them to every Godzilla movie and superhero and monster. So that's love very it. much. We are very much a nerd family. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally down with you on that. <laughs> now, Rat Girl. Mm-hmm. now we know somebody nicknamed you that i don't remember who it was but why rat girl (laughs) um in the 90s i used to wear two buns at the top of my head kind Mm -hmm. of like a la mickey mouse ear and my boss from my first job i worked at subway the sandwich place nice Um, i had taco bell (laughs) oh yeah it's right it's right there um and he used to call me rat girl because of the mouse ears or And, you know, I had a sassy attitude or whatever, so he would always call me Rat Girl. And I thought when I started creating art as my profession, I thought, well, I don't really want to um, just sign my name to them. And because I love graffiti, I thought, well, if I was like a graffiti tag artist, what would be my tag? So it ended up being Rat Girl. Nice. Much cooler than mine. (laughs) Mine was Nika. Ah, that's pretty cool, though. That's that's my artist name. That's dope. And that came from, and before it became very popular, because then, of course, after that, the song came out. Mm -hmm. My mother, when she was christened as a child, she was christened Veronica. Oh, cool. So when I went into high school and I wanted to kind of have a new persona, my last year of high school, we got to go to a technical school in BOCES. Mm -hmm. I was like, at BOCES, I want to be a new person. I don't want to be... The weird Puerto Rican girl from Harlem (laughs) that everybody makes fun of. I want to be a new person. So I decided I was going to call myself Nika. 
And I had my teacher, everybody called me Nico. Of course, the first time my teacher called me by my name, I didn't answer her because I forgot. <laughs> you forgot you were Nico? I forgot what my name I was forgot oh, I was Nico. But then after that, it caught on. And I still <laughs> have friends to this day who will still call me Nico. Oh, cool. So that's full disclosure. Everybody, now, I have not told that story to everybody. Now it's now out there we know. for everyone to know. Yes, I am. A, it's hot off the presses. It's everybody. hot off the presses, but that was my tag name, mm-hmm. you know? So Because every, everybody had one. Yeah. You had to have one. I miss seeing really good graffiti. I know. Now, granted, it's Long Island. Okay, we shouldn't. This is not the environment for it. No, but I know some good but, good graffiti artists out here. Yeah. Uh, a lot so A lot of them don't do it anymore because we're like aging. Yeah. And, you know, laws and jail and all I that know. fun stuff. In I know. It. I'm and too old to get like arrested and be okay they with it. They still lock up spray paint. I don't I understand. I'm That's like so scared. It's, yeah. <laughs> I would do it. No, I always I used to discuss with my ex-husband. We always said that, okay, if we ever got a house, we're going to get a wall, like a tennis wall, like a handball court. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the wall where we can spray paint. I have a friend that on. has one at his house. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Victor Cardoza. Hey, Victor. <laughs> so I, that I love. So that's why I love going back into the city or even going to, you see like Puerto Rico, Brazil, like mm-hmm. any of the islands, their artwork is fantastic. Yeah. So being in your gallery, Muñeca Art House. Yay. Which I will ask you the story behind that. It's okay. lovely to see kind of that throwback to all of those things that we grew up with because we're not too far apart in age. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what you're saying, I totally feeling you. Yay. So Muñeca. Mm-hmm. When did Muñeca Our House come about and why Why Muñeca? Muñeca, for um, anybody who doesn't know me, is doll. Muñeca is like a term of endearment. So I feel like I know a lot of people that get called muñeca by their moms or their mm-hmm. grandma. Um, and my mom called me muñeca as a kid. It was going to be Pendeja Art House, <laughs> but um, my sorry. mom yelled at me. And uh, so, so... I'm sorry, that would have been amazing. Yeah, but there, there's a large Spanish population in this area. And though I thought it was funny, maybe everyone else wouldn't think it's funny. Right. I didn't want to offend anyone and hold after, on, and hold on, that's after my better. mom yelled at me also. <laughs> I'm sorry, Evelyn. Uh, but the next so, one yeah. will be, you know, hold on at our so house. So I thought I'd make it sweet instead. <laughs> that works. I feel like my work tries to be sweet even when it's sad. Yeah. Or, or at least colorful. So I feel like muñeca is very sweet. And when I have events, I usually only serve sweet treats. So at the opening... I had a um, ice cream cart inside and I gave away free ice cream. And at the openings, I also do candy and cupcakes and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. And for those who don't know, she has a big jar of peeps sitting right on the front desk. Yes. So, you know, check it out. They're, they're not rock hard yet. <laughs> not rock I just hard ate yet. one. No, but then you take them and just make s'mores, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good idea. <laughs> that's awesome. And then Munich, I guess, is kind of easier branding. And for, you know, you want little kids saying your art house. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to cut up. I mean, a lot of people cannot pronounce muñeca. muñeca? I get muñeca. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everybody's very well-meaning and sweet about it. But yeah. yeah. Not everybody can do their enyas. Yeah. But like <laughs> all the like Latinx and Hispanic ladies and gentlemen that come by are always excited. And I like see them come in and they're like, who's muñeca? And I'm like, I am. Hey. So yeah, it's cute. <laughs> so you're the muñeca rat girl. Yeah. That's cute. I love it. <laughs> and, you know, we need a little bit more Spanish up in here. Yes, I yeah, agree. So. I feel like the world is afraid of us right now in a way that is gross. And I don't want to get overly political. But I want everyone to understand that I, I've done a few exhibits around here for um, Hispanic Heritage Month. And one of them was Mi Casa es Su Casa. And that was here. And then I uh, curated one for Toast over in Patchogue. And it was uh, called We Are Your Neighbors. 
And that's very important because I think right now the political climate, people are afraid of Hispanics mm -hmm. or anybody who's of color and realizing that, you know, we may look a little different, may do things a little different, but we're people just like you. We feed our families, you go to work. And people forget how their family came here yeah. and want to close the door behind them instead of understand that everybody deserves an opportunity to have a life for themselves that they see fit. That's part of my mission for this show, too, is kind of to represent those underrepresented communities. Yeah. Whether it's by nationality, mm -hmm. whether it's by, you know, gender identity, whatever it is. Absolutely. There, there's, there's no typical anything. And nobody's typical. Everybody's very individual and very unique. Yep. And especially in America, I feel that, like we talked about dilution. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's here, unless you're Native American Indian, mm -hmm. you came from somewhere and you came from somewhere that had a distinct culture. Yes. And then you came here and you forgot that. And, and now it mixes. You, and it mixes mm -hmm. very much. And there's nobody, I don't care how pure you think you are, nobody's pure. There's no yeah. pure anything. We are all a mix. Yeah. To some Puerto Rican's chagrin, like we have multiple cultures within the Puerto Rican culture. There's like our colonizers, the Spaniards. Right. There's the Tainos, and you know, which is like a Native American. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the blacks, the blacks from the slave trade, and we all mixed and made this beautiful culture together. Absolutely. You know, and um, and we. So I always think it's interesting when I hear a Puerto Rican that has some, you know, sassy opinion about someone. I'm always like, just remember, like, we're a mixture of all exactly. different people, too. Yeah, I have an uncle who, yeah, yeah. we don't talk to anymore. Listen, we're not per none kind of us like, are perfect. You forget where you came from. You forget what your color is. And um, the powers that be right now do not yeah. look at you the same way you think. <laughs> and, and it's funny because I think a lot of people, because I was born on the island mm -hmm. and I was in a very suburban culture and because like I happen to be lighter than like my brothers and sisters think that um let's say Italian or something mm -hmm. like that so I end up hearing opinions that my sister might not hear about my culture exactly which like can make you become like a militant lunatic because Absolutely. now you're just constantly hearing people's gross opinions about you know, your family or your culture of people. So it's really frustrating. And unfortunately, Long Island has pockets where it's worse than others. Absolutely. I talk with Adrian and he even talks about how we walk through the middle of Patterson and feel safer there than walking through the suburbs of Islip. Yeah. Because you have flag waving, mm -hmm. Dodge truck driving, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like... Um, what, what I call the maggots. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's hard. Um, the history of Long Island is so weird. Patchogue, I love Patchogue. I grew up in this area and I obviously chose to have my business here. There's a beautiful arts community and there's a lot of great things going on in this area. But there was a hate crime here like 11 years ago. Uh, Marcelo Lucero was murdered by just a bunch of like young kids who wanted to go beat up a quote-unquote beaner. And even up until the last few years, there's been like flyers sometimes that like have like KKK information on them. Yeah, we've found so them on like, the railroad. Yeah, so it's them. like we think that we've come so far and we have in, we have in some ways, but there's people that are perfectly happy to drag us back to wherever they, you know, wherever they think is the good old days. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I always say that hating on somebody must be so exhausting. Yeah. You know, how do you live with that much negativity in your life? Like how much time do you have 
to hate yeah, someone like, else and have it consume everything you do. And yep. there is so much better things to do with your time. If you don't like something or somebody, you don't have to look at them. You don't have to deal with them, really. Just let them, let us live. And the best way to like, you know, to, just, to end that is just like get to know someone, like speak to someone that's not of your culture for five minutes and you'll see that they are no different from you in the things that like probably matter the most to them. Absolutely. You know, family, friends, Mm -hmm. you know, good food, probably. Absolutely. It's frustrating. It absolutely is. You know, it's kind of like the Humans of New York series. I love that because Mm -hmm. it really kind of tells real people's stories. Yeah. Sometimes I want to have a, uh, I said this the other day to someone, sometimes I want to have a like, meet the Hispanic person Mm -hmm. night at the gallery and have people come in and be like, oh my God, see, we're just like you. Mm -hmm. Like, because for some reason, I feel like people aren't understanding that. Absolutely. I have family members that are doctors. I have family members that are artists that do what I do. I have family members that just work like a normal job, like a average human being. And there's a whole mixture of that, you know? I have the ghetto family members, which I love, and the like family members that are, you know, doing Makursi. amazing things. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So every family has that. It doesn't matter what color you are. Every family has like the people you're proud of, the people you're not so proud of, and everyone in between. That's actually not a bad idea. I'll be totally down with I that. I know. I'm going to have it with all sorts of like minority members. Absolutely. Like, I feel like. It's really multicultural. Yeah, it's so interesting to me. Yeah, people see what they want to see, I guess, you know? Yeah. And it's really. And when you're surrounded by the same color in your culture constantly. Yeah, you don't know anything outside of that. mm -hmm. And it's that human quality of fearing the unknown. Yeah. Instead of just kind of thinking, okay, it's just something I don't know yet. But once I know it, I don't have to be afraid of it anymore. Mm hmm. Even in the arts community on Long Island, mm-hmm. I don't want to knock the arts community. I'm, the, I'm on the board of Patch Oak Arts Council. I love what I do. But I think that Long Island is a very like whitewashed place. Absolutely. It's beautiful, but it's whitewashed. And we need to hear voices that aren't the typical voices in the arts community. And that's what I'm trying to like drag kicking and screaming mm-hmm. out. So right now I have Diego Garcia, who has a beautiful exhibit here. And you it was know, called uh, Clarity? It's called Clarity. It's gorgeous. It's here till the 31st of July. And I'll have artists of different perspectives and different persuasions here. And I'm committed to having a feeling of in- inclusivity when anyone comes in here. The fact of the matter is, a lot of communities in the island are not just your typical white cis mm-hmm. communities. Yeah. There are... So many communities of people of color and not just black, but Mm -hmm. Hispanic, there's Indian. I mean, there's a halal place popping up everywhere now. Yeah, we have a new one that's delicious. Which is awesome, which I want to check them out. Mm -hmm. You know, there's Asian, South Asian. Yeah, Yeah. there's so many. And really, they all contribute to the community in ways that maybe a lot of people don't realize. And they're enriching that community that they're in. Absolutely. Whether it be in like basic ways we don't notice or in larger ways or or even like the food of the culture is like infused in the community and people don't even understand. Yeah, it's just like you don't accept the people, but you'll accept our cuisine, you'll accept our music, you'll accept our style. 
you know, yeah. appropriation is real, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, all it's of like, those Oh, you things. like Mexican food? Yeah. Oh, interesting. But yeah, but you want to, guess what? You're not going to be getting your avocado soon, but yeah. you know. <laughs> it's rough out there. It's rough out there. You like your avocado toast, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> you know? Get your life together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, that's one thing I, I mourn for my kids. I worry about being that they're born and raised in Long Island, you know, I was born in Harlem, so mm-hmm. my first American history was Black history and Hispanic yeah. history. And that I, was not my first. Yeah, you know, and that was what I knew. And then I came here, and I'm like, who are these people? Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a whole different vibe. You know, being around, in, you know, in Harlem, Manhattan is very cultural, very artsy, mm-hmm. very much that melting pot kind of thing. Yeah. Long Island was the sea of blondes. Yeah. This is when I was and young and I came over but here. Like, that's not all that's out here. There isn't. You know, when I came here, I remember seeing, you know, these blonde haired, blue eyed, and I'm like, whoa, yeah. that's so beautiful. I thought they were angels. <laughs> I was eight years old, you know. Yeah. So, well, not realizing, okay, know. one, there's bottle blondes, <laughs> and two, yeah, these people may not be as nice to you as the people that were back home. And they might be lovely, but they also might see you as this strange person yeah. because they've never met anyone. From right. your culture. Exactly. You know? When I came. Where their parents are afraid. Exactly. Because you come here and it's like, you know, my, when I came here, I was maybe one of a handful in the whole school of people of color. Mm. You could count them on, on one hand. My elementary school was like that. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, it's such a culture shock. Yeah. But hopefully, especially through your art and music and food, we can kind of bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. And slowly but surely kind of let everybody know, hey, we're here. Yeah. We're no threat. And we just want a community just like you. I'm happy to report at Muñeca, it's always like that. Awesome. And we're Patchog fosters the same vibe. I'm their first Latinx board member. Nice. I'm proud to say. Congratulations. Uh, you know, I wish that it would have been someone else sooner, but it is what it is. And they're always committed to to fostering the art of everyone in the community. And that's to be commended. And that's yeah. something that I do love about Patchog. And uh, we come visit often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something where it says Rat Girl was established in 2003. What does that mean? <laughs> um, I used to do, um, I used to draw this little logo and I started making like t-shirts with the Rat Girl logo before I ever did any art specific that was signed as Rat Girl. So it started back then, that dream started, it might have even started 2001, where I was like drawing this little logo and making these t-shirts and trying to envision a brand of something bigger than myself. And how long did that last for? Um, Well, life got in the way, my husband got sick. (laughs) And then obviously after my first husband passed away, I tried to like collect my marbles that I had lost. And then I was trying to enjoy my life with my second husband. And, you know, again, things happen and he got sick. So it wasn't until 2013, after his first round of chemo, that he had said to me, you've been taking care of people enough. Take this time to treat art as your profession instead of this thing that you do on the side. He's like, let's just give yourself a year to start and we'll see where it goes. I said that I was an artist instead of saying like, you know, I yeah, I make art. It's hard to kind of own that. It's hard to give yourself permission. It is. To do that thing that's one, that's kind of a piece of you and your heart. You don't know if people will accept it. And people don't really put a lot yeah. of value in that. Which is ironic because most of culture is art. Yeah. 
and is represented in art. And, yeah. you know, whether it's po- the political climate or religious or whatever is represented in art, your whole life is kind of spelled out. Yeah. Your history is in, in art. But people want to count your money for you. And yes. like that is only... That's only attached that means to something. a certain type of job. So exactly, you know, it's always by you know, do, but you don't get paid for it, so it must not mean anything. Yeah, and really, no, you know, giving yourself permission to do something that's you and for you, giving yourself permission to put yourself first. Mm-hmm. And it's a cultural thing. I know that because I know we were raised. You know, you take care of the familia, you yeah. take care of everybody around you. Don't ask for nothing. Yeah, but if they you give them the shirt off your back and mm-hmm. you and you do for everybody else. And I know even for myself, the hardest part where things got hard was I had to be strong, I had to be strong, I had to be strong. And yep. when I broke, it wasn't that I was weak, it's that I was too strong for too long. Yeah. And I didn't put myself It's exhausting. First. You never give yourself permission to take care of yourself. Yep. To do your interests. And when you finally say, I'm going to give myself permission to be authentic me, not me in relation to other people. Yeah. But just me by myself. What does that mean? Yep. You know, and once you do that, and, you know, I love that Darren gave you that permission to be like, hey, you just need to go and do you and Which be you. Which stinks a little bit because as a feminist, I feel like I don't need a man's permission. No, However, but it wasn't- I did happen to get the green light from my husband, which I didn't need, but it was nice to hear. Exactly. As someone that comes from this culture of like, yeah, of Very family macho. first. And yeah, and this like, this idea that like women are to be used for- Nurturing. family and nurturing purposes to get a little green light to be like yeah just do you and like to be a little selfish yeah you be know, a professional at whatever it is that you want to be doing exactly exactly and that's something i'm very happy and thank you darren yeah that he gave you that green light because now we get to share <laughs> that little piece of you as well <laughs> which is awesome thank you so right now muñeca art house when did that start i'd worked for a lot of arts organizations over the past, you know, let's say eight years, and I worked for an art gallery, Ripe Art Gallery, which I loved until it closed two years ago. And at that time, I thought, what will happen to the contemporary arts that we've been trying to promote at Ripe? You know, I've always dreamed of having a gallery and having a space where I kind of, you know, curate what's in the space, not just for my work, but for artists that I love and that I respect. So I just decided to dive in, which is ill-advised, but it's awesome. (laughs) So I was able to pretty quickly from the time I decided, you know, get open last year. So it'll be a year in the, in a few weeks that I've been open. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. You're going to celebrate? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Somehow. Somehow. That's great. It was hard to kind of come to that decision to get a space and then try and get the space because you're in a pretty nice nice yeah yeah luckily I knew that I wanted to be in Patchogue I knew I wanted to create something in my like hometown area that I wished that existed when I was young you know I have my feet firmly in the arts community in Patchogue and I know that like the mayor fosters the arts in Patchogue so I knew this would be the best place for me to be set up I think it was hard. I didn't I don't think I realized all the, you know, bureaucracy that you have to go through to get permits and mm-hmm. get this and get that and village, you know, information and then you have to wait for permission to put your sign up and all that. Wow. But I think if I would have known I might not have done it and I'm glad that I <laughs> didn't know. was ignorant. Is bliss. <laughs> yes. Um and it was also hard because, you know, another silly thing is like I didn't have a partner. So I was doing it on my own. Mm-hmm. 
and that was a good thing. I would cry on the phone to my brother, uh, and he lives in Portland, Oregon, and I would wow. say, like, I miss Darren, and I wish that, like, you know, I wish that I can get his opinion about things, and he can help me plan, you know? Like, I, I loved bouncing things off of him. And he said, like, Darren's always by your side, but this is for you. This isn't about anybody else. This is your project and you need to be proud of all the de every decision is yours and you're going to make it amazing and then you have no one else to share the credit it's just you so i thought that was a cute way of like putting it your i love brother my brother very, oh very eric wise. i love you <laughs> <laughs> does your sister have any influence on you? yeah she's like the best thing that ever happened to me because <laughs> i never hear your sister really mention yeah she but. and what's funny is she's like my backbone and my rock. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Shout out she, to the Yes. Totally shout out to the sis. I just saw her yesterday. She's like raising the coolest kids that ever existed and being a badass in the world. Nice. But yeah, me and my sister are like thick as thieves and my cousin Christina, she's over there. Hey, Christina. You know, we're, we're like, <laughs> you know, we're all like sisters and we support each other. My sister comes to almost every event that I have. She's always trying to buy things, and I'm always trying to tell her that she doesn't need to buy things. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And she's seen me emotionally through the worst, and she is the like strongest human being that I know. And so she always lets me lean on her. That's very cool. Yeah, I love that. Family is yeah. important. Yeah, you know, and especially when your family accepts. I can't you. survive without them. Yeah, and my nieces and nephews, like they're everything, and they're you know. getting. They have a cool aunt. They got the cool titi. Yeah, I feel like a cool titi. <laughs> Some, cool sometimes titi. I feel like a cool titi. You know, no, trust me, you're the cool titi. You mm -hmm. know, and the kids, you know, you're doing the, the monsters and the yeah. art and the comic books and everything. Titi Debbie was cool when they were younger and titi Jesse's cooler. Me and my sister <laughs> are always fighting about who's the better titi. So, always. As they get older, I might be a little like easier to deal with. But as kids, Debbie's the best with them. Oh, that's good. <laughs> when, they, when they get older, then sorry, they graduate up to the next titi. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know how to curse and tell them sassy things. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> He's losing his shit. <laughs> yeah. They appreciate that. <laughs> what I love about our conversations is he just keeps losing his mind. That's awesome. <laughs> you good? <laughs> now, I've been looking through your art, and you have a few different themes. Obviously, one of the big themes has been the theme of loss mm -hmm. and what that means to you. And I've noticed in different lines that you've had, like you have one where there's a lot of that 1920s, 40s, Art Deco, mm -hmm. silent film mm -hmm. kind of vibe. Yeah. The Spin Me Around series. Yes. And I noticed there's a kind of a theme of duality in that. Mm -hmm. What does that represent for you, the duality? A few things. It's the imagery of having two husbands. Also, I have been a wife to two people. So I feel like this separate entity with each of them and that a piece of me is with each of them. So I feel split in a lot of ways, split in my loyalties. And even just the idea that there's the me that exists without them. And then there's the me that was their spouse. Right. So, and in that series, a lot of them are connected. Right. 
So they almost look like they're splitting from each other, but they can't make that yeah, full split. I noticed that. Mm-hmm. It spoke to you on many different levels. Yeah. Which was something that's what I wanted to ask you about. I was that. big on that mirror effect in uh, Photoshop <laughs> at the time. <laughs> hey, it works. Yeah. I was looking at your piece, The Sleep, and it was like, oh, it was all a dream. And I was oh, right into Biggie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, I couldn't lo- not put that. Yeah. You know, and it was just, I love that different pieces. You had that one, you had the, you know, Brass Monkey, and mm-hmm. it was like, all right, every time I hear a lyric, I started singing it in my head. Yeah. You know, I loved um in your weaponized femme series, you had a ninja please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so which I love that series. I love, you know, just the Star Wars, all the Queens, mm-hmm. the Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is kind of that's like my my signature yeah. hero, whatever. Like Me too. I, I forgot to wear my Wonder Woman piercing oh, today. That's very big in my house. I was probably the only superhero we had growing up. For women. I know. You know, we only had Wonder Woman. They have like Borin Kenya now, yes. which is... He's, he's on our bucket list of people that we want to talk to. And he's done so much for yeah. the community. Him, Le Manuel. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that we have a lot more people from, you know, Isla Bonita kind yeah. of representing, you know, and kind of reaching out into the mainstream. Be like, hey, Puerto Ricans, we're still here. Yeah. P.S. The Captain America costume is uh, the Puerto totally Rican That's totally Puerto Rican. I yeah. said the same thing. It's totally so, like, the Puerto Rican flag. Take that, Captain America. Exactly. Huepa. Mm-hmm. That's Puerto Rico's ass. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where did the Astro Man come from? That is such a funny story. This is some bruja shit, but (laughs) like my sister was talking to her daughter one day when she was little and her daughter had said that she had a dream about Uncle Rob, which was my first husband. And my sister was like, oh, what was the dream about? And she's like, Uncle Rob came down from heaven and he said that he was an astronaut and he said that he missed me and that he would come for sure on Halloween. So I always thought that was such a like beautiful way for a child to understand the idea that someone lives in the heavens that you love, that they were an astronaut instead of just like some ghost or whatever. So I decided to include that in the series. And oddly enough, on Halloween, when he said he was coming, my uh, nephew was born, who's very similar to Rob. Yeah, which is funny. Oh, God bless. Yeah. So that's why I say that's some bruja shit. But yeah, seriously. Yeah. It's, spooky. it's spooky. It's spooky. But um, but yeah, I love that idea. And I love the idea of like, you know, Elton John, Rocket Man, kind of like someone travels out and, you know, might not come back. And then they have their family that is here, you know, hoping and waiting for their return. That's beautiful. Yeah. That we noticed that um, you've been doing a series called, was it Royalty? Oh, that was an, a little bit of an older series, actually. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, that ended up being public art. This is what got me started on making digital art. A few years ago, I did a program called Jumpstart out in East End Arts in Riverhead. We had to do a public art project, and we learned about the business of art as well. And we had to work with the community to do public art. So... I decided to acknowledge the different demographics of the area. There's also a large Hispanic population out in Riverhead, and some of those people might work in the fancier communities out further on the island because that's where the island splits is the Riverhead area. Those people might be working out in the Hamptons in someone's house. I wanted whoever walks by in that area to understand that we're all royalty, we're all kings and queens, It doesn't matter where you come from or where this idea that you think someone deserves more than you. 
So I ended up creating a series called Rack Girl Royalty Project. I wanted them to be like wheat paste posters, but because I was working with the community, they didn't want that kind of graffiti aesthetic. So I ended up creating vinyl posters that can be removed, but a lot of them weren't removed in the community where people walk by. So I did like ideas of Mayan royalty. I did playing cards, uh, you know, the king and queen and uh, chess pieces and, you know, traditional and non-traditional ideas of royalty. And I just wanted people to walk by and see that royalty is not designed for certain people who have certain privileges. Royalty is something that we all have inside of us. So that was a fun series to make. It was my first like street art kind of public art foray, which was awesome. That's actually very cool. And I didn't know they made vital posters like that. Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I, I found out a lot of I found out a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's very cool. Well, you know what? Art is, is is progressive. It's a journey. Yeah. You know, and so is even the mediums that you use. I and mean, it taught I, me to stretch myself. Absolutely. What theme are you working on now? I know you also did one called Mosaic. Mosaic was a piece that I made that was in a gay and lesbian film festival exhibit recently. So I had made a piece for a special sweet young lady that I know that came out within the past few years and I wanted to honor her. You know, I'm an ally to the community. They included the piece in the exhibit. Allies are important too. Yeah, I want... In any movement and, you know, it's not just representing just yourself, but representing those in your community and accepting that. We have to acknowledge everyone's struggle and be a part of making things right for them. So what's something that maybe you're into now? Any new themes, new muses? Yeah. I've been working on a series. I don't have a name for it yet. I'm furiously frustrated with the state of what is going on with Latinx people of all different kinds in this country. I'm furious about it, and I don't really know how to fix it, obviously, because I'm just an artist. So I'm making a series right now, just voicing my frustrations about how... um, We're more than the culture that we come from, and we're more than all of these stereotypes that we are. We're more than, I have a piece with like uh, Platanos, and it says more than, um, it's like more than spicy food or something. Yeah. I made another piece that we're more than like the culture of our colonizers. You know, that's part of who we are, you know, that those Spanish from Spain conquistador culture is part of who we are, but it's not all of who we are. And I think people often confuse the person for their idea of what the culture is like. So they're like, oh, you like spicy food? And it's like, uh, actually, no, in Puerto Rican, we don't really eat like super spicy food. That's more of like like a Mexican culture thing, not really a Puerto Rican culture thing. We got baked pica and that's yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, like people are ignorant of that idea and they don't understand the differences between, you know, I explained it to someone like this, there's European culture, but we understand as human beings that we don't just paint a swath right over the European culture and think that Ireland is like Switzerland is like Germany. We understand that they're, different cultures and different people and they have their own pride about their own specifics. We understand that faux pas if we go to Ireland and we want to speak German or or we want them to do German customs. Or even to confuse them with Scots. Never yeah. confuse an Irish. Whereas people Scott. don't give a shit <laughs> if they confuse me with a Mexican person mm-hmm. and they don't give a shit if they confuse 
what's going on at the border as an only Mexican problem when really a lot of those people are just coming through Mexico from other areas exactly. in South America and like and Central America and as well. like as a culture Americans don't give a crap about that and they should because it's gross and we're putting people in like camps right now yeah this, and we, we all are. This is really like Nazi Germany all over again. It's, it's, and even the it, people who are in Germany or Jewish or whatever are saying, yeah, the, we're repeating history right now. I feel like, unfortunately, this is like the beginnings. If we don't stop ourselves, it's the beginnings of not acknowledging history and, and repeating it. Do I think that we're going to be gassing Hispanic people? I effing hope not. Yeah. But... Do I think that kids are suffering right now kids and are families are suffering right now and getting sick and people are dying? That is happening. And so I'm only trying with my art to acknowledge like those feelings because I use my work to get out my madness. Absolutely. So Sometimes you got to put I a message out and you're never just an artist because there's that African proverb or they say is an African proverb that takes a village. Yeah. I really truly believe that. And maybe one person can't do everything. One person can make a difference, especially if there's a lot of one persons. Yeah. And I'm you put enough to of us in a, together, in community. we can do this, yeah. you know, and that's something that, and this is why I love that I got to speak to you today because you are the type of person that we need everybody to see. And that's so important. And I'm so glad that you gave me a chance to speak with you today about a million different things. <laughs> and I could talk to you all I know, night. Me too. And you want to sleep over? You know, <laughs> it's probably more comfortable than my bed. <laughs> it's probably not. It's probably These, those chairs you are haven't seen my bed. I'm sorry. <laughs> the queen chair, though, that rocks. This is mine. I'm sleeping in that this. That is. I'm so. gonna. I'm gonna rent that out for like you know a quinceanera. It, it's wedding so or funny. Something. I feel like I've seen people do that on <laughs> Facebook. Absolutely. Yeah. Dead ass. It's happening. Have. It's happening. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank I appreciate you, so you guys. Thank you I'm for so talking excited. with me. Thank you for being my first. I hope we can talk again. I would love it. And why don't we take this moment to tell us where we can find you on social media okay. and address and all of that. All right. If you want to see my Instagram as Rat Girl the Artist, um, at R-A-T-G-R-R-L, Rat Girl with no I, two R's, underscore. On Facebook, I'm just at Rat Girl. On Instagram, I'm at Muñeca Art House on Instagram and Facebook. And also my websites are ratgirl.com and muñecaarthouse.com. Cool. And Muñeca Art House is located? 12 South Ocean Avenue, right by the Four Corners in Patchogue. Great. We want to thank everyone for listening in to the Latino experience. Hopefully you're leaving this learning a little something you didn't know before. And if nothing else, we made you smile. Thank Thanks you. Thanks again for listening. For more great podcasts, visit adrianhasissues.com.